Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. I, I wasn't originally going to comment on your haircut, and I know I've mentioned it in recent episodes. <laughs> um, you cut your hair relatively short, but... What I really liked is we'll link in the show notes to your post on Instagram where you show the photo of you with the long hair and you show the photo of you with the haircut. Uh-huh. I want to know how you managed to get the exact same pose in both photos. Uh, it was absolute luck. So for people who, who may not have ever seen pictures of me who are listening to this, uh, I had very long hair. I hadn't had it cut for uh, – I figured it was a year and 11 months since my last haircut due to the pandemic. And it was kind of long at the time. So I had really long hair. And I knew that since I was going to get it cut, I needed to memorialize it because who knows if I'm ever going to have hair that long again. Well, you know, I'm a photographer, so I can't just take a selfie. So I set up some lights and I have a a backdrop and uh, took a picture of myself with my arms crossed. And then a few hours later, I went and got my hair cut and came back. Well, I, I left everything set up. And so all I had to do was come back. I mean, I left the camera in place. All I had to do was come back and just basically stand in the same spot and and take new pictures. It, it was quite impressive as a before and after. And I thought that you were very attentive to getting that exact same pose. I wasn't, but it, it worked out really well that way. Unless it sounds better that I was, and then I'll say that I was. <laughs> yes, I think that's what you got to do. Okay, today we want to talk about storage because we have lots of files, not even just the computer files and the photo files, but some of us have media files, like I have a lot of music and videos, and these files take up a lot of space. So you need to put them on the computer or external drives, and you need to back them up, and you're always juggling files. So we wanted to talk about the different storage options. Now, obviously, we're going to focus this on photo storage, um, but it really doesn't make that much of a difference. Any device that can store files can store photos along with any other files. Right, because photos are basically just files. What's interesting about photography in this sense is that these end up not being just files because these are memories, right? I mean, if you lose uh, half a dozen spreadsheets, that's going to stink. If you lose the pictures of your kids or your family or the great vacation, that's really going to stink. And that's why we go on and on about having photo backups and making sure you have different copies of all your shots. However, multiple copies, multiple redundant copies, backups. redundant backups. But see, here's the problem. Like there are so many different ways to go about doing this that I think for a lot of people, it's just overwhelming. Or they think, oh, well, I've got my photos uh, on my phone and therefore they're, they're fine. Or maybe they're up in the cloud or, or whatever. And it's it's so easy to lose track of things unless you have some sort of deliberate approach. And I don't think either of us is really going to say that that you need something super extensive. You can absolutely go extensive, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you have to have at least something. So, Kirk, where would you start? I want to start with an anecdote. I have a friend who bought one of these big RAID units. We'll explain RAID in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. It has five drives, and I believe 
There were four terabyte drives. And since he was using RAID whatever, he had a total of eight terabytes of usable data. Okay. So he had five drives. This cost him like $1,500. It was a Lassi big RAID box. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks ago, he was away for the weekend and he got a notification that the RAID box had died. And he came home and he found that three of the five drives had died. Oh, geez. Now, with RAID boxes, if you lose two drives, you can rebuild everything because the way the data is stored on the different drives. But he lost three. I immediately said, it's not the drives, it's the box because the odds of having two drives fail at the same time are astronomical, but three is almost impossible. Yeah. And it turned out to be the box. And the problem with RAID devices, while, while I'll never use them, is your data is not data. It's data that's sliced and diced in a certain way that you can't just take one of those drives and read it. Um, so he went through a whole process and he decided a different option. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but I think what's important is no matter what you have, you can't be sure it's always going to work. So he was so sure that RAID is reliable. You lose a drive, you rebuild it, and he got stung. And he was very disappointed. Um, at the same time, I had just realized that two of my drives, my media drive and my media backup drive, were four years old. And I've long felt that I don't want to trust a hard drive after about three years. Just for my iMac, I have the internal SSD. I have a one terabyte SSD connected to the iMac, which contains my music, just my music library. I have another one terabyte SSD to which I clone my iMac every day. Then I have four other drives, two time machine drives for redundancy, and these two other drives for my media and media backup. So I've got a total of six drives for basically about six terabytes. It's not that much data, but that's because I'm worried about backups. Now, what we really want to talk about today is more the different types of drives available. We're not going to talk about backup routines. In fact, didn't we do an episode on backups once? Uh, we just talked about the basic rules of backing up. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. If not, then uh, we should basically throw the podcast away and not talk about <laughs> <laughs> anything else. Because uh, it, it, basically, if you don't have backups, uh, just stop listening right now. Go buy an inexpensive hard drive and make a backup and, and build up yeah. from there. It's it's that yeah. essential because we've both been bitten by it. We know people who've been bitten by crashes and, you know, we, we love our technology and our technology sometimes does not reciprocate. Like when we were trying to start recording this podcast. <laughs> I agree. Yes. I'm going to actually burn all my microphones and equipment after we finish <laughs> recording this. <laughs> so you happen to know someone who wrote a book about storing digital files. Yeah, he's a little untrustworthy, though. Um, it's it's uh, take control of your digital storage. Uh, oh, wait, that was me. Um, yes. So to take control of your digital storage. And this was a book that really came out of people just asking a lot of these these basic questions. And it's not even a book about backups. It's just it, it really covers what all the different options are and also digs into things like um, the APFS file system that Apple uses and how that affects, uh, you know, the the internals of how your your drive is set up, and you know that's sort of more than than what we're here to talk about. But, um, you know, the the idea is you have so many different options to choose from. So, for, for example, you know, then there's a whole section on RAID, and RAID can work 
absolutely in some circumstances, but the biggest uh, lesson to learn is that's not your only thing. Yeah. So in my setup, I have a, a bit of a patchwork uh, for, for my stuff. Um, I have my uh, MacBook Pro is my main machine. So I have the, the, the storage in the MacBook Pro. Uh, I have like a, I think, two terabyte time machine drive, just a little USB drive. It's not very fast, but it's for time machines. So who cares? Uh, I have a external media drive, which is not an SSD, although at some point I'm going to have to uh, update that. But but that's an eight terabyte drive because uh, that's where I store all my photos and and you know video files and things like that. And then I also have a, a Synology NAS in my office, which is a RAID, but uh, a NAS, which is which stands for Network Attached Storage, it's its own little computer. So unlike your friend's box, which I think was was probably just a basic RAID enclosure, a NAS right, connected directly to his Mac. Exactly, a NAS which is just connected through Ethernet. In this case. It has a lot more smarts and it does a lot more in terms of being able to manage that data and move it between the various drives and such. I, I should mention that I also have a Synology NAS. I forgot to mention that before. Mm. Um, and I use Backblaze for online backups. Yes. And I have OneDrive, Dropbox, and iCloud Drive as well. Yes. Yeah. Same here on all of those, which is yeah. – I mean part of this is we end up with a lot of redundant files. I know I do. I have – multiple copies of some of my photos, but I kind of want to carve that out as an exception because you and I both end up doing a lot of testing and working with software and reviewing. And so sometimes like you just need two terabytes of images copied into another folder because that needs to stay in its own little place. So yeah, yeah. Our, our requirements are a bit different because we are, we do have to try different things out. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend that most people use uh, OneDrive and Dropbox and iCloud Drive. Pick one of them. It's more reliable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to start by talking about the different drives. So it, we're almost to the point where the hard drive is dead. And the hard drive has been around for a long time. I remember, I remember the first hard drive that I ever saw. And this is going to really age me. This was about 1973 or 1974. It was about the size of a trash can. It had 256 kilobytes of storage on it. Um, I went to the first high school in New York that actually had what they called a computer math program back in the day. And they had this big IBM something in an air-conditioned room. And the teacher looked kind of like Albert Einstein. He was a really weird guy. Um, and they had a hard drive. We were doing punch cards originally to program, but they had a hard drive. So today, for example, you can't buy a Mac with a hard drive anymore. Am I am I correct? Are they still selling a cheap iMac with a Fusion drive for education? There may still be a cheap iMac with a Fusion drive. And a Fusion drive is basically a spinning hard drive. And there's a little bit of uh, solid state storage that's also built in that gets shuffled kind of back and forth between the drives. So you have high capacity, but also some of the speed benefits of an SSD. Uh, they Yeah, it, it works as a sort of a buffer. Yeah. Um, caching the files that you're using most often. Yeah, it's it's okay. They can be 
problematic. And if you really want the best performance, then you just need to stick with an SSD. Right. Now, when you're talking about large storage, you should have an SSD as the internal drive for your Mac, period. Um, because if you have an old Mac and you just update the drive to an SSD, you'll just be amazed at how fast it is. I remember when they first came out and I did that, it, it just was a great speed gain. I, I gained three years of extra use on my old um, uh, MacBook Pro that I was able to actually replace the drives in just by switching to an SSD. It was amazing at the time. So today the hard drive is old, but in when professionals talk about backups, they talk about hot storage and cold storage. Hot storage is files you need to access often, and cold storage is the things you maybe need occasionally or never. Um, we have backups that are both. And in my case, I have that one terabyte SSD connected to the back of my iMac, which I clone every day. And that to me is the hot storage. If something happens, I can reboot my Mac off of that or restore from that clone very quickly because it's an SSD. However, my media file, my video files, I don't need fast access to those. So they're on hard drives and I'm very happy with that. I'll be even happier the day that we can afford all SSDs because they take up less space. They don't need fans. They're quieter, et cetera, even though I do have very quiet drives. Um, but you need to understand that when I see someone talking about buying a new Mac and paying the Apple tax for a four terabyte SSD inside, I just shake my head. No one needs, unless you're doing 4K video editing, you know, the usual caveat, no one needs that um, storage space on SSD and particularly at Apple's cost. So hard drives are wonderful for backing up your photos and your videos um, for things you're not working on. However, if you do edit video, you want to edit on an SSD. Yeah. Well, and in fact, if you're editing video, you don't necessarily need to max out the size of your, your computer's internal SSD because these little, you know, uh, Samsung T7, I have a couple of these. There's also an older Samsung uh, T5. Uh, there are SanDisk versions. Like, like they're small, but because they connect through USB 3.0, or Thunderbolt, depending on or you Thunderbolt know, which, now even faster. Yeah, which ones you get? Um, it's totally fast enough to edit video stored on the external drive. When I've been doing uh, some video editing this last year, I was just working from the external drive. Even though my MacBook Pro does have a two terabyte hard drive, which I did have to spend a lot of money for, um, it was actually worth it because I have you know, so many big files and photos and things like that. Uh, it was a stretch, but I have found it to be worthwhile. However, I did have to pay a lot for it. And if you don't need that, having an external SSD like this is almost exactly like having it internal anyway. And so, you know, and, and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, editing 4K video in Final Cut Pro with effects and things like that, and not really running into much of a performance degradation. The internal storage on, on today's Macs is faster than the SSDs because it's just a higher grade of, 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 of storage memory, et cetera, et cetera. My eyes have sort of glazed over already because I know I've like walked down this path into the weeds of like, well, you know, if you're going to be doing 8K video and like, no, 
so yeah. few people are. We're just are. here for photography. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, even if you are super into photography, you'll have that sense of whether you need like this sort of amazing performance. So I mentioned earlier that I upgraded two hard drives. I bought two Lassi D2 professional desktop drives. Um, they have 7,200 RPM hard drives and they're uh, Seagate Barracuda NAS class drives. Now, interestingly, they're guaranteed for five years with data recovery services included in case you lose data. And I said earlier, I used to upgrade my hard drives after three years and now I think drives are more reliable that five years is okay. Yeah, that, that sounds but reasonable. But you want to drive – you want to check the guarantee on the drive. Um, if you are using an external drive, the difference between 5400 and 7200 is a lot more than it sounds like on paper. Um, the drive is a lot more responsive. The throughput is a lot faster. So that's really important to consider if you're going to be moving files on and off the drives often. Um, we should mention that as far as SSDs are concerned, there's something new that's been around for a couple of years. It's called an NVMe, non-volatile memory Extended? enabler, something like something that. Like that yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of like an SSD card, and you can buy one and you can buy a separate enclosure, and they're a little bit smaller than these portable SSDs we talked about, and that's a pretty good option too. But it's not necessarily cheaper than the portable SSDs. One advantage to the portable SSDs is they're bus-powered. That means you don't need a power adapter. And that's fewer wires and fewer cables. And that's always really good. My dream is to have like a 1,000 terabyte, one single drive someplace with one little plug. And it's partitioned and there's all sorts of data redundancy. But instead, I have the, like the four hard drives in a cabinet with USB cables to a hub to a cable to my iMac and four power bricks. And it's, it, it gets to be a lot. It can be a lot, yeah. Briefly talk about NASes. I don't find NAS performance to be good enough to use for active files at all. I use them for backups. Um, I use Plex to manage my video library. And it's fine for streaming video, but I wouldn't want to be working on files where your computer needs to read from the NAS and then write back to it and read and write, et cetera. Yeah, you know, it's it's network attached storage and really put the emphasis on storage. It's it's great for having things where you need to access them occasionally. So for example, like my entire archive of work that I've done through my career, all my, you know, books and articles and things like that, those are stored on the NAS. And so if I ever need to go look something up, or maybe pull some old files, I know where it is. And I don't have to, A, store it on my internal drive. B, I don't have to wonder, oh gosh, which hard drive did I put this on? Because that's another part of having external hard drives is you're going to end up with several of them. And you know maybe they have some that have uh, lower capacities. And so suddenly you're discovering, oh, was this on data drive B or data drive C. And unless you have some some way of managing all that and maybe the brain to do that, um, it's, it's just not worth it. And so having a NAS, what's also nice about the NAS is you can replace the drives that are there. So let's say your NAS starts to get filled up. Well, you can buy larger capacity ones, slide them in, and it, it does the work of, of filling that up. I love the NAS for something like that. Um, another thing to point out is 
when you have a whole bunch of images in your library, let's say in my case, Lightroom, I have far more images than I can store on my internal drive. And I want to be able to access them whenever I want. And that's why I have this, this media drive that sits next to my computer on my desk. One possibility is I could move all those to the NAS, which um, I, I haven't done just because I want that speed of being able to connect directly. But what some people do is they think, oh, I'm just going to throw everything on the NAS. And that's, that, that's a valid way of doing it. However, the thing that you do not want to do is take your Lightroom catalog file and put that on the NAS. You also don't want to put your Lightroom catalog file into something like Dropbox or OneDrive because as those folders are, are getting synchronized, there can be timing issues where you make a change in Lightroom and uh, that change gets uploaded, but maybe the next change doesn't while it's in the middle of syncing. Or if you have your Lightroom catalog on your NAS, there's some latency in the network connection, and then suddenly you have a corrupted catalog and you're in for a world of hurt. This also brings up the question of Apple Photos, because Apple Photos is a little bit weird in that you need to have your images in your photos library on your startup disk for them to sync with iCloud Photos. So even though Photos will let you have files stored elsewhere and you can bring those in and have them basically externally linked in photos, those will not uh, sync with iCloud Photo Library. It's a weird kind of dumb Apple limitation that drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I wasn't aware of that because I've never tried to store a photos library on an external drive just because of the speed. Yeah, because photos centralizes everything in its library. That's really the only option. But if you find yourself with a, let's say you have a, a Mac with a 256 gig SSD, well, that can get filled up pretty quickly with photos. And then what do you do? Then you get something external or then you get a new Mac. Yeah. See, that's a consideration. If you do have a large Apple Photos library, then you do need to think about that when you buy a Mac. You need to think about the amount of storage you have. Um, my Photos library is about um, 80 gigabytes, which is kind of small compared <laughs> to yours probably. How big is yours? Um, I, I have no idea off the top of my head. It's, it's bigger. Let's say it's bigger. Um, okay. but, but as, as we've discussed, uh, in previous episodes, you have a different system. You, you do a lot of calling before it even gets to your photos library. Right. And the folder where I've got those files that I imported, but didn't put in the photos library, I was checking just before we started. It's about 95 gigabytes. Okay. I did go through it this afternoon and delete five gigabytes of files, but it's something that I should do. It's it's housekeeping that I need to do eventually. Yeah, yeah, and and th that's something that you just run into. I think with with all photo libraries, you you just need to pair occasionally. Yeah, um, cloud storage. Briefly, here's the first rule: cloud storage is not a backup because you never know what's going to happen. What if? your credit card lapses and Dropbox cancels you or Dropbox goes out of business or, mm -hmm. you know, cloud storage for me, it's files that I have on multiple devices. So I have Dropbox and OneDrive and iCloud Drive and I use them on both my Macs and they get backed up to two different hard drives or three different hard drives. And I know that I'll always have a copy of them, but don't just think, 
oh, well, I'm going to put these photos in iCloud because I don't have room on my Mac. And then if something happens to iCloud, you don't have another copy of them. Backups are backups. They are not moving something to another place. So you always need to have multiple backups. Now, you could have backups on three cloud services. If there's a nuclear war and, you know, there's one of those electromagnetic pulses, they won't work anymore. But then again, your computers probably won't. Um, You're going to have bigger things to worry about then, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's always... I think with cloud storage, it's sometimes a little bit too easy to make a mistake and delete a bunch of files. And if you don't have multiple backups of them, you never know what's going to happen. Um, now, I do use Backblaze for online backups, and you get multiple versions. You pay per computer, and you pay a little extra, you get multiple versions. So that's a lot more reliable. But I'm a big fan, as I said earlier, of backing up my backups and then backing them up too. Yeah. I mean, the the advantage of cloud backups, which I also use Backblaze, and that is the the offsite backup, which is, you know, it, like there doesn't have to be a nuclear war. Your house could burn down. If you had four redundant backups, but they're all stored in your office at home, then those are gone. And so, you know, something like Backblaze, um, even something like, you know, iCloud Photos would be your backup of last resort, I guess. Okay. I just want to talk about one more thing because we've been rambling on for half an hour almost. (laughs) Um, In your book, you have a a header, how much storage do you need? And whenever anyone asks me that question, I ask, how much data do you have now? And then I say, double it. Mm Because you always assume your data is going to increase. If not, because macOS is increasing from five or six gigabyte downloads a few years ago to 12, 13 gigabytes now. Um, But you're always going to have more files. You're not going to get new files, delete the old ones. So get get twice what you need. Now, I only have 512 gigabytes SSD in my iMac because, again, all my media is on external drives. My previous iMac that I had for about three and a half years, it had 256, and the one before that had 128, and I kept that one about four years. Jeff is making a face. How can you? How can you live with 128 gigs? But yes, I know it's possible. Go back seven years. Okay, yes. You know, files are smaller, and I've always kept my music library, my iTunes, and then music library on external drive, which is currently about a terabyte. Um, But look at. Your, if you're buying a new Mac, look at your drive, see how much space is taken up internally. If you have an external drive strategy like mine, then don't consider that, but double it. Always plan that you're going to be needing more storage than you'll have. And it means that your Mac can last a little bit longer. As Jeff, as you said earlier, you put an SSD in, in a MacBook Pro and it lasted three years longer because of the speed, but maybe because you had more storage. Because back in the day, the hard drives in in MacBook Pros weren't very big. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, One last thing I want to point out is that uh, especially when it comes to photos and archiving, so we have all of our images on these hard drives. Unfortunately, there's really no good archival medium for you to say, all right, I'm just going to go store all of my digital photos. I mean, if you were concerned about something like that, honestly, the best thing to do would be to print everything, which is insane. I know um, it, it, it's a good it's a good argument for printing things occasionally. However, 
when it comes to just storage of these images, hard drives is pretty much what we're stuck with. And what that means is every few years, you're going to be moving your entire photo library to a newer and bigger hard drive. It sounds like kind of a, a burdensome uh, task that, that we're saddled with, but th that's kind of all we have right now. And so, you know, I mean, I've looked into doing tape backups, uh, you know, back in the day, that was how I had actual computer storage. It was a big mess. It was super expensive. Um, so yeah, there's no magic bullet of how to archive your photos, your digital photos, other than just keep them on hard drives. Make sure you spin up those hard drives and read them occasionally to make sure they're still working and have backups. Yeah, multiple backups because you never know when some sectors on a hard drive are going to fail. Yeah. I think the basic rule of storage is it's not a question of whether a hard drive will fail, but it's when it's going to fail. Yes. We can tell you this from experience. Yes. Experience. Okay. Shall we move on to snapshots? Let's do. Okay. What have you got? Well, actually, I'm going to do something that's related to the topic at hand. It's an application for Mac called Drive DX. And Drive DX is this tool that evaluates the health of your hard drive. Now, this is something that I was a little skeptical about because, uh, you know, I don't like to have things running in the background that are just doing diagnostics and stuff. Like it, a lot of it seems superfluous to me. But when I was writing uh, my book on storage, I looked at this and gave it a a, a bit of a test. And it actually helped me identify that a couple of my backup drives were on the brink of failure. It uses a lot of different uh, criteria for determining whether a a disk is likely to fail. And it will tell you sort of, you know, a, a general health of your disk, you know, it, it's good, or it's old, or it's, it's, you know, possibly likely to fail, or it's run into X number of bad sectors. And therefore, you're kind of on that slope of, all right, if you have a lot of bad sectors now, it's likely that things are failing. Now is the time to move your data off. It costs $20 for a personal license, $40 for a family license. And if you have a lot of old drives, it's absolutely worth it. Kirk, what do you have this week? Well, I too have an application. Since we're talking about uh, data and files and backups, I'll mention the app that I use every day, Carbon Copy Cloner, mm. which is an app for Mac that's been around doing backups, I'm thinking 20 years. It's been around for a long time. Um, version 6 recently just came out, and it's fully um, compatible with M1 Macs with Big Sur, so it's really up to date. Um, I have, let's see, I look in my menu bar, I have five carbon copy cloner tasks, and they run automatically. And if there's a problem, I get a notification. Um, I back up my music SSD to my media disk. I back up my media disk to my media backup. I back up my music SSD to my NAS. See, I really care about my music library. <laughs> I sync my Plex library from my iMac to my NAS, and I clone my iMac. And all of these are performed daily. Um, it, it's the kind of app that 
you don't want backups to be complicated. You want backups to be simple. You set them up once and they run on their own. Um, it's 40 bucks. You can't beat it. Uh, if you've got a previous version, you can upgrade for up to 50% off. Um, it's one of those apps that as soon as there's a new version, I immediately upgrade. I don't even think twice. Yeah. Another similar app is uh, called Super Duper, which I've also used in the past. Um, and the fact that you can schedule things and not have to worry about it so that, like you said, your your duplicate, your clone happens every day. And I assume that you're not thinking, oh, it's three o'clock. I must now start my clone. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it It just happens. And let me tell you, the peace of mind of that is absolutely worth it. Okay. That's enough. If anyone has any um, anything to share about their use of hard drives, their data loss stories, um, drop us a line in our Facebook group. Until next time. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's Photoactive Cast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.